years of isolation and abuse, countrywide intrigue, and a scientific study like no other. These are the oddities that we'll explore today. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to Oddities Explored. I apologize for having to take a week off. Last week, I didn't have enough content that I thought I could release, and I wanted to focus a lot more on quality rather than the quantity. So, I'm back this week, and last week we finished up on Cicada 3301. Cicada didn't really have any concrete explanation behind it, and it left many only with theories. This week, however, I'll be diving into something that's grounded in fact and research. Before we dive in, however, I'd like to cover a few things. First of all, if you're not following my Instagram, I want to ask you all to do that. It gives me a direct bridge to interact with all of you, and it provides visuals and updates to the show, like the one I had to put out last week. Second, I'd like to encourage you all to turn on automatic downloads and follow the show on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. It provides you with updates whenever an episode's released, so if I, if I have to take like a week off, for example, it'll tell you about that. Finally, I want to thank everyone that's been listening so far and enjoying the show. I have a lot of fun doing this, and this is really something that I've enjoyed to do, so I really appreciate the support that I've gotten. So, without anything further, let's dive into the case of the feral child, Jeannie. So, Jeannie is actually the pseudonym given to a girl that was discovered by a social worker on October of 1970 at Temple City, California. Jeannie's mother was attempting to apply for benefits due to becoming near blind, and after a bad feeling, the social worker soon called the police, and this led to one of the most interesting and disturbing discoveries of the 20th century. But before getting too far into Jeannie's life in the public, let me introduce you all to Jeannie's horrendous backstory. Jeannie was the final of four children to a very abusive father and an increasingly blind mother. Jeannie's father had a rough upbringing, losing his father early and being mostly neglected by his mother. Eventually, Jeannie's father ran away and bounced from several orphanages. When he met Jeannie's mother, the couple appeared normal at first, but once married, Jeannie's father became increasingly controlling and aggressive. When children started entering the family, Jeannie's father completely walked off the deep end, physically abusing Jeannie's mother all throughout the pregnancy. The abuse was reportedly so bad that he even attempted to strangle the pregnant mother to death. When the first child was born, she was left in the garage because her cries disturbed Jeannie's father. She reportedly died 10 weeks later after being born due to pneumonia. The second of the four children only made it to two days before succumbing to RH incompatibility. RH compatibility, in case anyone doesn't know, it's classified when an antigen of the mother is transferred to the placenta and it can attack the baby's red blood cells. And this can cause anything from minor health issues to heart failure when it's severe. Child three of Jeannie's parents would be the first survivor, but was also forced to be quiet and had very little mental development before a grandparent stepped in and took care of the child. The final child, or Jeannie herself, was born and started life with a dislocated hip. This caused her to learn how to walk at a late age, and in turn, Jeannie's father neglected and ignored her, and even told his wife to do the same. After a few doctor visits reporting she was still mentally normal, malnutrition was suspected, as Jeannie was quite skinny for her age. Another doctor who hadn't seen Jeannie before suspected she might have mental disabilities, but for Jeannie's father, this was more than enough to justify completely neglecting her. 
When Jeannie was about 20 months old, her grandmother was killed in a hit-and-run accident, and this caused Jeannie's father to blame the brother living with her and furthered his hatred towards his own family. Eventually, Jeannie's father moved the family and isolated them more than ever before. Sickeningly, Jeannie's childhood with her father quickly changed from neglect to physical abuse. Her father would hit her with a plank that he kept in her room if she made too much noise and tied her down to a child's toilet and put her in a makeshift straitjacket. Her father would also growl and scratch at her like a dog, making Jeannie terrified of dogs and cats. Jeannie's feeding was supposedly three times a day, but even if this were true, eating for Jeannie was nothing short of a nightmare. She would often be greatly rushed to eat, and if she started choking, the food was still just shoveled into her mouth. Jeannie was also never given solid foods, usually just baby food. Jeannie's father's abusive tendencies also reached every other member of the family. He had a seething resentment for noise of any kind and beat anyone who made too much of it. He was also sure that he kept a very tight grip on his family by threatening them with violence if they ever left the house or talked to anyone without his permission. There's a reason it took the public a long time to know what a monster he was, and that's because of his control through fear. Jeannie's father even kept a shotgun near him at all times to discourage the family from revolting against him. Now, I was wondering why we knew so much about the father's abuse, especially because this is very private information and his control over the family seemed to reign for years and years, so how did this get out? Well, it turns out he kept a detailed log of the hell he caused on his family. So yeah, he's a real sick individual. Luckily for everyone, in October of 1970, a violent argument between Jeannie's mother and her father allowed Jeannie and her mother to escape to her parents' house. I also want to note here that Jeannie's brother had already escaped and was living with friends, so he's okay and not in this situation either. After leaving, Jeannie's mother went to a government building to apply for state aid for the blind. On a stroke of luck, however, she accidentally walked into the social services building. The worker, after learning of Jeannie's real age, sent something was wrong and contacted police after questioning her mother. Jeannie's parents were both arrested, and Jeannie was sent to a children's hospital of Los Angeles. Once here, Jeannie was first given care by David Riegler and Howard Hansen. Hansen was actually an early expert on child abuse, something I'd like to note that's absolutely insane, that one of the earliest experts of child abuse was as early as the 1970s. That's how long this was able to run mainstream without anyone checking anything. James Kent, who was also an early advocate for child abuse awareness, was given time to work with Jeannie as well. On November 17th, news outlets also started to gain interest in Jeannie, flooding her father with questioning while he was awaiting trial. Turns out he didn't handle the noise of the world too well and committed suicide, leaving notes addressed to his son and another addressed to the police. The only statement he gave to explain his monstrous behavior was, the world will never understand. And to that, I agree. No one's going to understand how you could have been such an animal to your family. Unfortunately, on Jeannie's side, Kent's test did not bring promising results. Physically, she was very malnourished. In fact, she refused to eat any solid food and even struggled with soft food. She weighed only 59 pounds, and her bones were that of an 11-year-old, two years behind her age of 13. The harness that she wore due to her father caused deep bruising, and though her eyesight was good, she couldn't focus on anything more than 10 feet away. Mentally, her motor skills were very weak. She couldn't stand up straight, her limbs couldn't fully extend, and she didn't walk like normal kids do, but instead almost hopped around like a bunny. Her fine motor skills, however, seemed to be much better. 
Kent reported these to be at approximately a two-year-old level. And I know this doesn't sound too impressive, but on the few tests that they ran to find Jeannie's approximate mental age, they placed her around 13 months. So it being at a two-year-old level is almost double of anything else. Jeannie herself seemed to be much more interested in environments rather than people. She showed no attachment towards specific people, following really anyone. Jeannie also showed no signs of situational awareness or the idea of personal property. And to top it all off, Jeannie would attack herself without crying or noise, likely lingering destruction from her father's abuse. Language-wise, Jeannie didn't really seem to grip too much outside of her name. Her vocabulary did grow to about 15 to 20 words, but nonverbal communication seemed to be her number one source of communication. She responded to gestures much better than anything else, and she also responded to facial expressions and eye contact. Researchers concluded that she was not selectively mute, but also had no explanation for her lack of language. At this point, scientists argued on the idea that if Jeannie was actually autistic or not. Professor of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences Jay Shirley believed that due to her abnormal sleep patterns, she had to be autistic, while Susan Curtis believed that it made no sense that Jeannie was autistic, due to a year of mental progress being made each year that scientists worked with Jeannie. Therefore, Jeannie's mental shortcomings were due to her isolation and abuse. During Jeannie's hospital stay, she made great strides on some of her initial concerns. She started to show a sort of object possessiveness, but it was animated more towards colorful objects rather than toys or other commonly sought-out items of children. Jeannie also started to show interest in people, appearing excited to see them and sad when they left. Piano music was also of great interest to Jeannie, but anything other than classical music invoked a different response in her. She only seems to show any positivity towards classical piano music. In December of 1970, James Kent was able to secure grant money to study Jeannie Moore, and in January of 71, she was rated with a mental development of a 1-3 to year old. This started to get more interesting the following month, however, when another test rated some of her mental function around the 2-3 to year old scale, but other parts around a 12-13 to year old. In such a short time, Jeannie had made such huge strides in her mental development and even started to show some interest in language. She was reported to be able to mimic parts of language from other people. Unfortunately, though, towards the end of her hospital stay, she reportedly attacked another girl because she thought she owned the dress that the girl was wearing. This was the first display of outward anger Jeannie had ever shown on anyone but herself. Through some brain testing, scientists found that Jeannie was left brain dominant and scientists concluded that she was probably right-handed. I didn't really know which side of your brain was used to determine which hand you had before this episode, so we're all learning stuff together. Researchers also found that even though she could hear perfectly fine in both ears, her left ear was favored for non-language sounds. This led researchers to hypothesize that due to most of her stimulus growing up in isolation being visual, her left hemisphere had almost no specialization growing up. These tests were conducted by neuroscientists Ursula Baguli and Edward Klima. Now, before I jump into why Jeannie really captivated scientists, I'm going to call this episode to a close. I apologize if this episode was a little bit shorter. I didn't really know how I wanted to split it, so I decided to split it on a different focal point rather than splitting it directly halfway. And on top of that, I also apologize that this is another two-parter. Uh, initially researching, I thought Jeannie would definitely be a one-parter, but coming out with as much information as I did and how much I wanted to cover, I figured that it's going to need to be two parts. 
I hope everyone enjoyed the episode, and I'll try to put some visuals on Instagram of some of the people that were involved in Jeannie's life. I hope everyone has a great week, and I'll be back to conclude Jeannie's story next week. Goodbye, everyone.